strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hi, and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen. And I'm Robin. Tonight we have a special guest with us, Professor Greg Jackson of the podcast History That Doesn't Suck. Greg has a PhD in history from the University of Utah and currently teaches at Utah Valley University. His podcast is a story-driven survey of U.S. history. Greg, where can our listeners find you and your podcast? Oh, on all the usual places when it comes to podcasts. Uh, you can also go to historythatdoesntsuck.com. And, of course, social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So we're able to bug you in almost any online facet you can imagine. I can bug you anywhere <laughs> you want me to. That's, That's right. Said it. I love that. But more importantly, you are available to be bugged. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, go to uh, the website, historythatdoesntsuck.com. Drop us a line or, you know, as, as you did, uh, reach out to us through social media. Yeah, I just got you right on that Instagram because right. I love the podcast and love the name of the podcast because mm-hmm. oh, thank you for those who think that history is boring, they are just wrong. They are wrong about everything. Right. Presentation matters. Yeah. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash narratives and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com slash narratives to get started today. So, Professor, what are you going to teach us tonight? Let's let's talk about Benedict Arnold. All right. Uh, so, uh, you want me to just jump in? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So Benedict is, uh, as I think pretty much any American who isn't living under a rock knows, the most notorious traitor in American history. Uh, I mean, his name is used just to incite the idea of, of treason. It's an insult if someone calls you a Benedict Arnold. Absolutely. So the story behind that, of course, doesn't allay the fact that he's a traitor, but there, there's a human being underneath all that facade and, uh, and and the lore that's kind of built up around him. So by the time we're done, hopefully we'll, we'll all maybe have a little more sympathy for him, even if at the end of the day we're going, yeah, he's he, he's still a jackass. And yeah, I mean, I would love for you to make me feel a little bit bad for him. I'm 50-50. I am right, right on the like, the line. Yeah, here. Yeah. Sure. Okay, well, let's let's see what the line ends up by the end. You're going to have to tell me. So going back to, you know, the beginning of the revolution uh, all the way to 1775, which, of course, we always want to remember just because the Declaration of Independence got signed in 1776 doesn't mean people weren't shooting each other already for a solid year. So 1775, right at the beginning, uh, Benedict is with Ethan Allen when they take Fort Ticonderoga, which is this four off in the boonies of New York. I apologize for the email you're going to get later from someone telling you that's not the boonies, but it's the boonies of New York. It totally and is. I, and we live not too terribly far from it. So I promise awesome. you it is. So at any rate, Fort Ticonderoga Falls, this is a huge thing. Uh, it's one of the first moments where it's demonstrated that these ragtag Americans can actually stand up in some meaningful way to the British. Um, cannon are later taken from that to help support George Washington in Boston. So it proved to be a monumental thing. So Benedict gets some cred right there. Uh, that winter, he heads up to Canada. Now, this is a botched invasion on the part of the Americans, but he's there and he uh, takes a musket ball to the leg. So, you know, he's now a he's now a wounded veteran so far. 
but he stays in it. He, he stays in the fight. He believes in it. So we get to uh, 1777. And at this point, you know, let's, let's remember everything that's going on in the American Revolution. Uh, George Washington is the commander of this joke of a continental army. They haven't gotten their soldiering together yet. And there's plenty of infighting throughout the, the continental army, which sees itself still very sectionally. It's, you know, northerners, southerners, everyone thinks of themselves on, on, a, on a state level. So that's a challenge for George. And you got militias from the states that fight independently. So th- there's lots of organizational issues. And meanwhile, Benjamin Franklin is over in France trying to convince them that they should jump into the fight. And of course, they're going, ugh, these colonies kind of look pathetic. So a solid victory could really help galvanize getting foreign aid. So that's where we're at as the Saratoga campaign gets going. And this campaign is led by one of my absolute favorite British commanders, Gentleman Johnny Burgoyne. Mm -hmm. And I prefer to just call him Gentleman Johnny. There you go. Uh, Please do. Yes. The dude's a playwright. He's he's a player. He is known for his talent in the bedroom. Which, he just, which comes up quite a few times in the Benedict Arnold story. I will I will add. You know, uh, it's a it's a sexy tale. It's I don't a know. Sexy what else tale in a saucy time. Right? Yeah. It, it seems like it. it. There's it, rebellion it, I, in a lot of fronts. Yes. Well, and you know, a lot of the prudishness of America has yet to settle in. So this this is still a time where the whiskey flows freely and. Well, and the rum well, that Benedict Arnold himself smuggled in pre- precisely. I yeah, mm-hmm. I, there was uh, now this is a British doctor, small tangent, but he claimed that New England uh, American soldiers downed about a bottle of rum per day. Oh. That, that was just their, yeah. their yeah. go to. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they, they aren't alcoholics. They're just, you know, people uh, at, at this point. Yeah, they're low-level fighting folk, you know. They're just yeah. trying to trying to relax at the end of a hard day. Okay, but in all honesty. The beginning of the day and the middle of the day as well. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, <laughs> just the end of the day kind of thing. Hey, it's the end of the day somewhere. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So enough about the sex and alcohol. Back to Benedict. So uh, Benedict is a part of uh, of defending as the Saratoga campaign goes forward. Uh, Gentleman Johnny is descending from Canada with a massive army, and he's making plenty of mistakes. But as that's playing out, Benedict is a general, and he is along with Horatio Gates. Now, these are two men who, you know, both of them are fighting for the for the American cause, but People are people. doesn't matter what historical era it is. And they have egos. They have ambition, right? They, they want their careers to go well. They want to be something big after the war. So both of them are kind of jockeying for, um, you know, for cred. And this really hits a breaking point uh, after the Battle of Freeman's Farm. That happens on September 19th in 1777. So the Saratoga campaign includes a number of battles. I'm not going to bore you with, you know, I'm not going to turn this into a massive military history. But this is one of the two big battles. And um, a lot of people agree who are present that Benedict Arnold was the man. He is the guy who won this thing because Horatio Gates was being uh, a little pansy and hanging back. And didn't have the guts to really jump into the fight. But Benedict, this guy is, you know, leave it all out on the field, charge out into into enemy fire. He's that type. So he's getting aggressive, but Horatio technically has command. So he kind of reins him in. A lot of uh, 
lot of the men who were there, they think that if Benedict had permission to just really push it, he could have ended the Saratoga campaign right then and there. Gentleman Johnny would have been wrapped up with a pretty bow, and Ben Franklin could have been like, what's up, France? It's time to play ball. Yeah, yeah, Look. definitely. I mean, it seemed like the the people who were with him fighting really held him in incredibly high regard, and they would kind of follow him into anything. They truly believed in him. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, this, this does include some people that, well, at least one comes to mind that some of us might know something of thanks to Lin-Manuel, um, <laughs> Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not like it's a, just a bunch of, uh, of suck up underlings who, who liked Benedict. The, Schuyler's above Benedict. So, you know, he has nothing to gain from it at any rate. So that battle goes down and then the, Horatio, who is very much looking out for himself, he doesn't send his report to George Washington, who should receive it. Instead, he sends it to Congress, hoping they kind of buck George as things play out. And he absolutely takes credit for everything that Benedict did. So here's Benedict, a guy who's been in some serious scrapes since 1775. He's got a slightly jacked up leg in the name of the American dream here. And now Horatio goes and takes his glory when he's the one who risked life and literally limb. He's livid. So they get into this big shouting match. And uh, by the time it's over, Horatio says, you know what? Basically, you're benched. You're out. You, you no longer have a command. So all this beef is playing out. We then get into October. Uh, and this is when we have the Battle of Bemis Heights. So again, I'll go light on the on the military details. But Really, Gentleman Johnny is losing. It's only a question of when and where exactly. Uh, Horatio has him outnumbered by about two to one. G Gentleman Johnny's down to roughly 5,000 troops. Horatio and the conglomerate of American troops are north of 10,000. But once more, Horatio's kind of beating around the bush, not really willing to, to charge in there. And then... Benedict Arnold, who's supposed to not be allowed to, to play ball, he just comes charging out, you know, Rambo style, more or less, <laughs> going right in, in, into the heart of it. And of course, everyone is like, there's Benedict, the man Arnold. Yeah. Hell yeah, we're down. They go following him. They charge right up to a redoubt, which is uh, just a fortification. Yeah. Um, his horse, uh, I believe his horse gets shot, if I recall correctly. Um, but his leg ultimately gets shot, shattered more or less. So, and this is the same leg that got shot up in Canada. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they have Second a whole time. monument mm -hmm. to this leg. Yep. The boot yes. monument. Yeah. His leg is jacked. Oh, it's one of my favorite monuments. It's great. You know? it, it, but the I, monument doesn't say his name on it though, right? It just exactly. says dedicated soldier. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. In fact, if we can just fast forward a little bit, one of my favorite anecdotes of Benedict Arnold uh, I won't get the details exactly right, just trying to call us off the top of my head, but more or less, w later when he's a British commander, he's in Virginia and uh, burning in American towns and whatnot, right? Here he is now, the evil dark lord. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's, has uh, taken over. Yes, precisely. <laughs> and um, some Americans that I believe he's, he's taken capture, uh, taken prisoner, uh, he says, you know, what would you have done with me had, had you caught me? And, uh, they say something to the effect of, well, you know, we, we would absolutely execute you, but you know, we, we'd give an honorable burial to your left leg. You know, it's, it's a great way to facelessly remember the, uh, the traitor yeah. for what he did do. That was good. So at any rate, <laughs> um, 
You know, and in fact, while we're talking monuments, let's go ahead and just get that out there. I believe it's Schuylerville, New York. There's a monument for the Saratoga campaign, and they have uh, a, a large, um, I mean, it, it's a pretty big deal, and it's got four sides to it. There's an alcove on each side with a statue of major commanders with one alcove that's empty. Wow. So that was their way of being like, yeah, that's, Benedict. Wow. Totally. Totally did his thing here, but you know what? F him too. So holy shit, right? Oh, that's so <laughs> it's, awesome. I it's, mean, it. oh. it's pretty cool. Ugh. Now I need to go to Skyline. I know. Omar. Write that down. All right. So back to the story. Um, <clears throat> Battle of Venus Heights. His leg is completely jacked up. So of course, you know he's he's a hero though, and the outcome, as you've probably anticipated. Uh, with everything I've been saying about Benjamin Franklin and the French, France jumps in. They, they see this victory and go, wow, these Americans can actually do something. Maybe they aren't a completely hopeless wreck, and we can go ahead and get a cheap shot on our favorite nemesis, the British. So, yes, we will jump into the fray. So th- this is a huge victory, not just because they rout a British army, but this is what brings the French in. And the French bring the Spanish in, and then the Dutch end up getting into this thing. And this is how it turns into a global, you know, world war, where the British are finally like, good grief. Just take them. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean, now we're really fast forwarding a couple of years, but that's kind of, <laughs> just know, these are all important things that happen. Yeah, I mean, at more York trouble than we're worth. Th- there are more French at the Battle of Yorktown than there are Americans. So... Oh, fun fact. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Lock, lock that one away. That's, right. a, yeah. that, Check. That's, a, that's a fun one to drop at a, you know. <laughs> at a party. A, yeah. Exactly. I'm going to put that in my notes. Thing, yeah. Okay. So what do you do with Benedict, though? I mean, his leg is beyond, you know, it's been shot multiple times. It, he needs to recuperate. He has months uh, of recovery ahead of him, and the leg's never going to be 100%. So. George Washington, who is very much a fan of Benedict Arnold, he makes him the commander of Philadelphia. So we're now about the end of summer 1778, and he's sent down there. Now, Benedict starts dating the uh, Miss Peggy. The Miss yeah. Peggy Shippen. Miss that's right. Peggy. Sweet young and thing. The bell. years old. Miss Peggy. That's right. That's right. And she is known for being the most gorgeous affable you know you all the things that anyone could ever want i mean apparently benedict was quite the looker himself they said there was like not an ounce of fat on him that he was like kind of built like a linebacker is sort of the way that it read to me yeah yeah and i mean you know dark hair uh gray eyes uh, absolutely a hairline that just wouldn't quit i know (laughs) i mean let's get it a jolly right? diamond on. <laughs> and, and, and he's, a, he's a general. Come on, right? Like, yeah. He shows up there in Philadelphia. Absolutely. Yeah. You, I mean, you can see where this is all going. Come yeah. on. That, that's, that's some serious chemistry happening right there. Of course. No question. Right? So the, the good-looking couple absolutely, you know, start courting. And by this point, though, Benedict, you know, he has enemies. I mean, he and Horatio went the rounds. And Horatio, he's also, you know, he, he comes away from Saratoga as the hero as things play out i think this is worth just noting really quickly george washington's about to go into one of his biggest challenges for uh, leadership of the continental army around this era um and it's horatio gates that's being considered by a few people in congress 
uh, as uh, as essentially the only guy who could do the job if it's not George Washington. Yeah, because Horatio was sort of like backdooring the whole time, being like, well, if I was in command, I would be doing things better and differently, like always sort of had that line. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, you know, let's just keep that in the background. That sort of, sort of stuff is kind of playing out. Eh, we won't worry about the details there on the timeline, but roughly the same era. So point being, politics are always present. We're all a bunch of human beings and the same sort of selfishness and stupidity that you see in the 21st century absolutely happened in during the American Revolution as much as we want to maybe sometimes think that- Just without all, Twitter. <laughs> instead, they wrote, they wrote long meandering letters to oh, each other. Such long meandering so, letters. Oh. It would have made for a very different experience. I know. Do you imagine via letters? It'd be like 30 a, letters. Well, I can only do this much in one letter. Here's 30. They passed around camp. Everyone puts a check if they want to like it. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, here's the quill. You can um, yeah. check check or X. Uh, X <laughs> exactly. is a thumbs down. <laughs> Picture like a town caller. Hear ye, hear ye, those who follow George Washington. So um, things get even more real here for Benedict, his enemies have some charges against him. Um, corruption, essentially. Uh, basically, anything and everything he's done wrong, he, you know, he, he's getting the book thrown at. Uh, well, yeah, because, I mean, out. there were definitely some things in there where he was a little scandalous with some funds or something yes. like that. Yeah, like I mean, he was misusing again, uh, funds in some way. Classic, right? I mean, I mean, classic politician. Precisely. And it's the sort of thing that, I don't know. When I see a politician get in trouble for funds, I just think, really, have you not ever read a history book or just turned on the news in the last 18 months? You guys always get in trouble for this stuff. But he has yeah, so like, much, just stop doing it. He has so much yeah. experience stuff from his smuggling days. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. The kind I, mean, of person the, the, I think he is. Yeah. He's a bit of a scoundrel. I, it's okay. A little, little bit. Yeah. And look, and, and let's own that. I'm not trying to say that Benedict yeah. uh, walks on water by any means, right? Yeah. We're, uh, we've just been, you know, pointing out how he's gotten to be such a high up guy. And mm -hmm. he does have an ego. He is right? a badass I mean, though. That's yeah, I know. Totally, totally Long and the short of it. Handsome, badass, beloved by George Washington. Yeah, that sums up Benedict at this point. And you yeah. know, you, 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 I, I don't know. I think to myself, you would think a lot of people would be pretty happy to be the freaking, to be a general and a co the commander of Philadelphia, the de facto capital of the United States. I'll take that but, job right now. Right? But again, ego, this guy, he has a big one. So the, um, the courtship with Peggy continues. And I think it's worth also pointing out that the Shippens, Peggy's family, uh, kind of latecomers to the whole American side of things. They, they were loyalists a little too long for comfort for many. Yeah. So that's part of what's playing into this where people see him getting cozy with, you know, this, the this British Tory. Society. Like uh -huh. very British influenced, right? Like yes. Old British yeah. money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, their wedding's coming up um, and he's got, you know, it's got to suck to be trying to plan a wedding and you're like, well, I have corruption charges. So he's trying to get the court martial to just happen because he just wants this over with, right? It, mm -hmm. it like, you know, it's having some. Focus. Yes, Exactly. But it doesn't happen, so you know they go through the wedding. Um, it's still hanging over his head. Finally, he gets he gets his day, you know, in court, more or less. Now, by this point, let me not get ahead of myself. So, in, in May 1779, he writes to Peggy's old friend John Andre, Major John Andre. So, this is a British uh, 
officer. And basically he kind of broaches the idea of, Hey, you know, what if, what if I change sides? So they're starting that communication. Now we'll always have to wonder if the court martial had gone perfectly for Benedict, maybe that, that could have been, you know, toned down at this point. Maybe it's not too late to keep him from, from going Sith. Yeah, of course. I mean, because at this point, like he's, He's given his entire young life. He missed the death of his first wife while he was fighting. He's given everything to this revolution. And then no matter what he does, it seems like people are always kind of against him. And at this point, like now he's being court-martialed and he's like, yo, fuck these guys. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like they don't I appreciate me I for anything. I shattered like, my leg. I, I, I did all of this for you. Yeah. I, yeah, mean, I can it, totally see why he's like, yeah, yeah, maybe somebody will appreciate me on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that's exactly it. You know, and he's looking at these guys like Horatio, what's, you know, what's, what's this guy done? Yeah. Oh, I, taking credit for my bravery on the battlefield. Yeah. That's a nice leg you got there, Horatio. Exactly. It's got to be, <laughs> be pretty awesome to be able to walk on two legs. Yeah. Look at you with your, with your running down the lane. Yeah. <laughs> Must be nice. Wow. Difficult for me yeah. to hop. You look great. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, again. He's a flawed guy. He's got an ego. And yeah, he probably did some shady things with money. Uh, but, you know, on the, on the balance of scales, I guess, uh, but he's, he's given a lot more to America than he's taken uh, at this point. So it's January 1780. The court-martial goes down. And in his mind, of course, you know, not every charge is dropped. So he's pissed. And you know how it gets if you kind of get into a negative view of someone or something, it gets to where you're always going to be very, the glass is half empty, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And because conversely, and I think this is, this is really interesting. George Washington was elated. He was stoked at the outcome of the, of the court martial. He went all right. You know, he was, he was pardoned from a number of these charges and his in, entire penalty more or less is that I have to scold him. Yeah. Which, of course, he does very lightly, basically goes. So, Benedict, don't uh, do shady stuff. So let's move on. So, you know, to George, this was this was great. You know, he I mean, Benedict could have been kicked out of the army. This could have been a, a career ender. And instead, you know, Benedict sitting there kind of going, well, how come I didn't get a dessert? Where's my slice of the pie? Exactly. Exactly. So. Now, you know, he's, he's done. He's going Sith. This is happening. It's going down. He continues, continues to write with major John Andre and he is going, George Washington wants to make him a major commander on the battlefield, give the man glory. And you know, the things that he's always figured that Benedict wanted, the sorts of things that Benedict has been yearning for, but instead Benedict's like, you know what? West point. I just want to be commander West point. That sounds really awesome. Seems very specific. Right. <laughs> that maybe that should have been a red flag. Poor George Washington was a little too trusting. Here, so perhaps. trusting. So trusting. Though I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean I severe hindsight. Right. Yeah. We sit here two centuries later. Come on, George. Why why didn't you see that, buddy? Jeez. Does that really seem like something a guy like Benedict Arnold wants to do? This guy built like our first American fleet, mm-hmm. seriously, with his hands. Like he's yeah. not going to just go chilling out at like West Point. I mean, I guess in George's defense, I try to think maybe, maybe he figures, yeah, maybe he's thinking, you know, perhaps Benedict's just broken. You know, maybe, maybe he needs more time to recoup uh, mentally as, as much as physically. And, 
in, you know, a nice, quiet place in upstate New York. Maybe that's just what he needs right now. Uh, Benedict goes out to West Point. And now we, we fast forward later into 1780, and it's worth pointing out that this has been just a crap year all around for the, the American war effort. Uh, the continental dollar is beyond a joke at this point. Uh, that, that's what happens when you make a government that can't tax, yeah. more or less. Yeah, know. a government that's entirely built on not using taxes at all. Yes. Uh, it's supposed to, you know, it's all volunteer. That's yeah. the, idea. The, you know, the, the, the states, the states will pay what they need to. No, it's like, it's like going to dinner with a group of 20 people. Sure. There's going to be that one person who always pays theirs and, and then some. Cause mm-hmm. your one friend at the end who got like two cocktails and the $30 state gave 20 bucks. Uh huh. Exactly. There's always That's that exactly guy. Right. Yep. There is. And they screw it up for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, same That's thing the reason with- why the continental dollar didn't work, but there, yeah. Yep. yep. So, you know, George has troops who aren't getting paid. He has troops that in some cases don't have shoes. They don't have shirts. Uh, it's just an absolute nightmare. Battles are being lost. So September 25th, 1780, George is going with his, uh, aide de camp, Alexander Hamilton and, uh, Lafayette. I, I know it does just feel like we're in a musical now. I and love it. I wish I could just break into song. I know. But I won't. So back to George though, he's heading up, you know, and it, He's going to catch up with his buddy, right? Like Benedict is is one of his uh, his bros. Yeah, top so, guy. Yeah. So he shows up on the morning of September 25th, 1780 at, um, at, at Benedict's home up by West Point, this sleepy little fort, but nonetheless important fort uh, because it prevents the British from being able to sail right up the Hudson and essentially, you know, cut – the important northern states right in half. So it's a crucial location. And he shows up and Benedict's just not there. Huh. All right. Well, what happened is that morning, Benedict gets the mail and in it is a note saying that a British spy has been captured. And I mean, I can just imagine what his stomach must have been doing. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Gotta get out of here. And as he looks at it, the name, uh, you know, the pseudonym that this uh, British spy is traveling under, I believe it was Johnson. I might be off on that. I'm going off of memory here on that one. Um, but it's Major John Andre's pseudonym. Oh, so he's no. just like, oh, F me, right? Like, yeah. I am so screwed a million ways from Sunday. This is this is over and I'm a traitor and this is execution worthy. So he books it upstairs. We have no idea what conversation he has with Peggy, but they have a conversation and Peggy doesn't come down. He takes off. He, uh, has a ton of, of, uh, of booze. Um, was it whiskey or rum? I want to say it was rum. Yes. Yes. So he gets a rowing crew. I mean, this is like the most colonial American thing imaginable. Yeah. He's like, Hey, here's a bunch of really hard liquor guys. I need you to row really hard. And they're like, yes, sir. Like, you <laughs> we got need to it. get out of here right I am, now. <laughs> I am on it. And so they row and row, you know, and they, they get him to, uh, you know, don't realize what's happening, but they get him to safety. They've just saved America's, you know, number one trader unbeknownst to them. But what really, what do they know? They're going to be so plastered by the time they would ever get back. Um, so George doesn't know that, Benedict has taken off for 
for this very obvious reason. Peggy still isn't emerging. So finally, George is like, you know what? I need to go inspect West Point. That's the whole point to being here. So he's off. Alexander stays behind. And he, he notices that the fort, it just, it sucks. I mean, it seems like someone's intentionally trying to ruin things here. It seems like it's, no one's watching the fort. Like yeah. Everyone's like, like Sunday dinner off right now. No one's there. Yeah. Almost like someone might want it to fall to the British. Yeah. Like, look, this the, the doors are just open. It's weird. Go figure. So, oh, poor George. Really, like, I, I just feel for him so badly. Here he is, you know, scratching his head yet again. Goes back to Benedict's place. Still no Benedict. Still no Peggy. He knows Peggy. He knows that she's a delightful conversationalist. Uh, he's been looking forward to seeing her as well. He gets there. And... Alexander uh, has a has a packet form that's shown up. So George tears this open, you know, starts getting his mail. And, uh, you know, it's it's like when your friend says, hey, look, you got to check this thing out, sends you some link through Twitter. Yeah, this is this is 18th century equivalent. <laughs> he, he, he gets into it. And I mean, tears. He is he's heartbroken. The stoic, em very emotional. George Washington was a very emotional guy, but it was because he had. Uh, he he's known for not being emotional because he has an amazing poker face. I would never gamble with George Washington. He would just, he, he, he'd kick my ass. No question. I don't know, man. Uh, I think I could take him. Whew. Okay. You know what? I, I would I love to watch. Him. I love to watch the two of you sit down, but yeah. I am, I'm staying out of it. I mean, if, uh, when I get my time machine, Greg, you're coming with me. Okay. Whoa, right. whoa, yes. whoa. Hold on a Robin, second. Robin, of course you're coming. Okay. All right. Yeah. That was a given. Yeah. Was you're a given. Yeah. Uh, George is just, you know, he's, he's sobbing and, you know, here he is, he's confronting this evidence that Benedict is a traitor. And, you know, as much as we've been talking about how hard it is to be Benedict, let's go ahead and point out that he's an effing traitor here because it's not like he's the only one who's made sacrifices. Yeah. I mean, you know, George Washington hasn't exactly had the easiest go himself. It's been a long time since he's been to Virginia. He's suffered through plenty of health issues. Um, you know, the, the British do show up uh, on his property at one point, and it, it only gets spared because uh, George's, um, was it his nephew or cousin? At any rate, one of the other Washingtons who's watching cousin, over. I think. It was cousin. Yeah, he's watching over. Yes. So, uh, you know, and, and George George was pissed, though, that his home wasn't burnt because he, he would rather have seen it burnt. He was that dedicated, is my point, you know? But, but it, so it's not like Benedict is the only one who's who's sacrificing. All that said, uh, you know George sees things like on the cusp of falling apart. And yes, it's 1780. Yorktown's going to go down uh, just a year later. And while the war won't technically end until 1783, it's basically over, and everyone knows it. So we're so close. But like many things that are you know built and done in life, the scariest point. Well, he he doesn't know that it's almost over, right? Like he doesn't know he's this close. Um, right. Cause it, he's still so, in it. He's still working like every exactly. day of his life is risking his life and pushing forward for this dream and to yeah. have this person who he trusts just abandon it and be like, well, I'm going to go to the other side. It, I mean, it must be heartbreaking and just so confusing. Yes. I mean, and as the continental dollars crashing, as battles are being lost, it just seems like everything is falling apart, like at once. And then Benedict does this to him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just a sucker punch. It's like a sucker punch 
after you've already been beaten to within an inch of your life. It's a sucker punch after you've been kicked in the nuts. Nope. Yes. It, it's, can one be sucker punched and kicked in the nuts at the same time? And then spit in the face. I think yes. all of these things can happen, and that is my, what he must have felt like on that That's morning. pretty much it. And now you know why Washington couldn't have children. The worst um, mail delivery ever. <laughs> right. it, was, it was that kick. So um, where where the hell were we? Benedict Wright. He has the letter. He's reading that. So, you know, it's hot pursuit. Lafayette and Ham- Hamilton, uh, George, all of them, you know, they're riding up and down the roads. They're out to West Point. But, of course, it's it's a lost cause, right? He's long gone. So they're back at the residence now. And this is when, um, the, one of the colonels who is, who's on uh, Benedict's staff comes and tells George, well, by the way, sir, Peggy Shippen is acting freaking insane, just total nuts. And I don't mean this in some sort of, you know, Oh, Victorian hysteria sort of way. Oh yeah, she's she's like taking it to that and then some. She says that there are hot irons on her head, invisible hot irons that are searing her head, and that the colonel wants to kill her baby. And she's screaming and shrieking and running around like, like there's some sort of poltergeist or, or something at play here. Did he poison her before she left? Before he left? Well, then who would take care of the children? The nanny, the maid. <laughs> Certainly not her. She's rich. Well, but she she's protecting her child, right? In her mind, the colonel supposedly wants to, to kill uh, the baby. And so then George goes up to, to her room. I mean, she um, she's a bit exposed. Like she's not even – she's not even she, – not only has she not gotten dressed, but she's in whatever sort of state that um, – the records, as far as I've seen, just show exposed. So I don't know. So I'm you just know, you, thinking uncorseted. Yes, perhaps. Or at least untied. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. The, the corset straps are loose. Things untied. are jiggling. She's untied. Right. We're, we are having, um, uh, what was that? Uh, was, it's a historic <laughs> hip slip. That's right. There the first one, if you will. The, oh, Peggy. <laughs> it should Good. now just be called the Peggy. Strong work, Peggy. <laughs> so. Yeah, she's clearly uh, lost it. And. You know, we got to remember a lot of 18th century assumptions about, you know, that basically just, you know, sexist thoughts that permeate society at this time. They totally are buying this. Like, okay, well, her husband left, so she's gone into one of those womanly hysterias. Yeah. And she's playing them. She's totally playing them, 100%. So George Hamilton, Lafayette, they all let her go. Now, in truth— Washington wouldn't have have locked her up or anything. He felt that women were beyond the pale in in warfare. You you don't arrest yeah. women. You don't you know? That is his concept of gentleman's chivalry and whatnot. Yeah, he but, definitely he wasn't going to be like, all right, because you're his wife, I'm going to send you to prison. He's like, Peggy, yeah. I know you. Like, cool it. Like, let's talk. Yeah. But now here's the real kicker. So she gets out of there. You know. And later, she's talking to her friend Theodosia Prevost, who will eventually become Mrs. Aaron Burr. And she tells Theodosia that she completely played Washington, 100%. That it was all an act. She's like, girl, you don't even know. He believed everything. You show a little tit and they just, like, lose their minds. They think they you're crazy. Yeah, there's no way that she, she could have her 
her head on straight. Exactly. If her corset wasn't tied tight, she could not be thinking clearly. So, you know, was it an unnecessary act? Maybe, but nonetheless, uh, it worked. And, and, and she played the whole crew. Um, so that's what that whole thing was about. It was, and I have to wonder, was that not a discussion that she and Benedict were having? Is that what was chatted about that morning? Well, we can't both take off. You need to be here when George gets here. Um, and then play insanity. Oh, sure. I can. And he'll never do anything to you. I know George, he's not going to arrest you or hurt you in any way. So again, I, you know, now we're just playing the speculation game as a responsible historian. I have to point out, there are no documents that, that can demonstrate it, but it seems pretty planned out rather premeditated. Okay. So all that said, you know, he, he gets away, he hooks up with the British and his, his suffering for being a traitor is uh, 6,000 British pounds straight up. Not too bad. Yeah. Not too shabby. Plus a Plus a pension. What? Or 20,000 pa- 20, pounds? Well, yeah. So they were talking about a lot more, but here's the thing. He was supposed to deliver West Point. Oh, which he did. All right. All right. And he managed to run away. So they are kind of like, well, great. You're here. We kind of wanted West Point, dude. We would have preferred West Point, but you know a lot. So we'll give you 6,000. Pretty much. Pretty much. And so, you know, here, here's again, kind of the continual, you know, sad saga of Benedict Arnold, right? This, this suffering American vet who never felt appreciated. So he went turncoat. Well, then he's not really that appreciated by the British who, any of whom just see him as a turncoat and he couldn't even deliver on what he was going to give them. So, you know, the, the guy never gets the respect honor glory that he so desperately no, wanted like the british were very, like wow you you turned very easily what would yeah. you do to us now you know you're exactly. supposed to be loyal to us but what will it take yeah, you to turn code again yeah yeah exactly and you know a, a kind of sad connected story to this is that john andre is executed yeah and he he was known for being an honorable dude. Alexander Hamilton kind of went off the, this was one of his fights with George Washington. He did, he was fighting for John Andre not to be executed because he saw him as such an honorable guy. And a lot of Americans agreed with that. Yeah. Uh, George didn't seem to really want to execute him either, but he didn't see how he could not with the way that the rules of engagement were drawn up. Uh, you know, he, he didn't see a legal out more or less. Right. And the dude met his end like a boss. He speaks bravely. He ties his own freaking blindfold on. Oh, and, yes. Like, come on, that's badass. Yeah. Oh, wow. Excuse like, me. Yeah. Why, yeah. Can I have that, please? Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I, I don't need you to do that. Oh, I got yeah. this. I got this. Thank you. Go ahead. Advance your cart. Uh, so badass. Yeah. So he, you know, and his body will eventually be transported uh, back to the UK. And his, his uh, grave, in fact, has on it. Uh, I don't recall the exact wording off the top of my head, but it it says more or less uh, respected by friend and foe alike, which is true. Because they would have they would have liked to have found a way not to execute him. Ah, yeah, which it's it's such a jarring contrast to to Benedict. <sighs> and so Benedict's the turncoat, and he invades Virginia, and he burns American towns, and and what else is he going to do at this point, right? Like. He's he's made his bed. Yeah, he's fully with the British yeah, he's like, army, and he's now. there, working for them, with them, burning down American towns, and that's and he does spend the rest of his days 
in Great Britain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He does not, you know, he does not live in the United States. I mean, he couldn't. I mean, people would lynch him in the streets. Oh, yeah. And you know what? People wouldn't even been punished for it. No, certainly not. Doesn't he burn down the the town where Does he burn New Haven? New Haven, right? Yes, I believe it was New Haven. Yeah, that was where he met his first wife. That's what, yeah, where he lived with his first wife. Yeah, I I, I can't even imagine what's going through his head. You know, that's got to be... Well, especially because like New Haven, especially for him, is sort of the reason why he kind of got like so deeply into like the revolution. Once his first wife died, he was just sort of like, I can't be home with my children. I just have to like keep doing this thing and kind of like I just pieced out. I wonder yeah. where they went, though. I never I never read up on where they went. Well, he was with Hannah, his sister, mm. his only living relative. Like, yeah. Which. You know, I'll go out on a limb. I can't say no too many details about the extended Arnold family, but I'll bet that's a connection you try to downplay in the years to, to follow. Oh, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. no, 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 no. We're from a different group of Arnolds. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, no, the- no. There's there are so many Arnolds in Connecticut. I mean, really, it just blow your mind. Trust me. Yeah. Do his three children from his first marriage ever go to England? I'm saying no, right there. Because probably by the time they would have been like in their teens, so they definitely would have been like, I don't want to know you anything about you, Dad. Right. You know, during his whole turncoat days. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know, uh, you know, the details on, on his kids, but man, I, that's just got to suck. I mean, it's like being, I don't know. Well, I think with them. Um... A famous <laughs> I know. evil person. That's... I know, I know. But with Peggy, with uh, the children they had with Peggy, I believe – most of them end up being in the British Army or militia. Yeah. And then the one woman, uh, his daughter, married a colonel or someone in, in the military yeah. as well. They were all British bound. They're all like, you know, this is where I live now. This I mean, Peggy was like 70% with the British yeah, yeah. So they so. all kind of went over that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, Pe- Peggy, uh, no one really bought her being with, you know, the revolution to begin with. So... You know, it, it's not they aren't they weren't seen so much as like double. You know, the the children of two turncoats. It's more like yeah, the the turncoat and the one who and he like married a British sympathizer. But it's up. so weird. But it's so weird to think that there are two separate families of Arnolds from the same man. Oh, but not not in this era. Not in this era. I mean, life life is rough. You know, this is an era where you get a disease that, that today we're like, yeah, take an antibiotic. And back then it's, oh, you're dead. Yeah. It's like, I mean, what did she die of? Probably pneumonia. It was pretty much always pneumonia. And often uh, men have multiple wives because childbirth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, child, uh, inf- like mortality, female mortality during childbirth is at that Way point high. really high. And- uh-huh. The infants, one in six, die during the process oh, yeah. of birth or before the age of one. Well, it said that. Then um, you have the contraction of syphilis, which ran rampant, which he was also accused of having and possibly giving to his first wife. Well, it said that his first brother was actually named Benedict, but he died in infancy. And so he was mm-hmm. also named as Benedict. Oh, yeah, of course. That, that, that was a very common practice. I mean, you know, just kind of go, well, we like that name and sure didn't ca- didn't stick this time. We'll just see how it goes this round. Yeah, because most babies didn't make it to one. Yeah. I mean, that took a yep. dark turn, guys. Sure did. Sure did. I, I mentioned mean, family. Yeah. It all goes to hell. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, just as, as we're talking about this, I think about Washington. He had um, an un- 
first of all, he's only who he is because his father died when he was an 11 year old kid. And then his older half brother, Lawrence, dies when uh, he was about 20 years old, who you know becomes his next father figure. And and we're not even talking childbirth deaths there. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, just the life just, expectancy I, was no. If, if you made it to 40, you were doing great. <laughs> in some ways like yeah. you're well, you're it, doing it, your very best in the south especially i mean yeah. I, I don't know if that's too boring to say but um where where the temperatures are warmer and there's more humidity you have more um insects that more insect carry, borne disease right uh, yeah so life is short and sweet in the south malaria the, is no joke uh-huh. yep those vectors yeah. they'll get you every time yeah it's so it's a very different world and, you know, de- death could be right around the corner. You could be healthy and young and boom, you know, you get the flu, you're gone a week later. Yeah, this did get dark, didn't it? It I mean, did. It did. about traitor. And then we just like started killing everyone. Yeah. yeah this is. <laughs> Thank you so much to Greg for being our guest tonight. And that is the story of Benedict Arnold, more than the turncoat that you know, just another notorious narrative. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, there are a couple of things that you can do to help us out. You can leave a positive review wherever you're listening now. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash notorious narratives, where you can access content that is exclusive for our patrons. And remember, keep it weird and never stop exploring.